0: Independent wrestling is pretty damn fucking
1: cool. We're sitting down in the spotlight and squirt circle with Rhino. We're trying to bring more awareness to the independent professional wrestling scene. Undoubtedly, thankful for anybody that just decided to tune in and actually liked us enough to keep listening. And welcome into another edition of the Grapple Talk Flagship. I'm Nick Ragnar. Joe, Jeho- nope, here we go. <laughs> you were going to call me been, Jehovah Witness, know, Jesse Von Rudin, right? You know, I was actually hanging out with um, my family who was in town this past... Uh, and they're all Jehovah Witnesses, right? No, they're not Jehovah's Witnesses, but, you know, I have this cousin. Her name's Marissa. Marissa? And I was, like, best friends with her when I was, a lot, when I was younger. And so, like, two years ago. Like, two years ago. And so I know her name. And she's a sta- across the table from me. I've had maybe like two or three beers at this point. So I'm not I'm not gonzo or anything by by any means. And I'm like, yeah, so it's great to see you, Katie and Mo... Marissa. So, so you totally butchered a cousin's name. Now, I did. Is, is
0: she a first cousin?
1: Yeah. And she looked at me and she goes, what? And I was like... And I didn't know what to say. I wasn't going to call her anything. I think I was just having mush mouth. But then I was like, well, the most logical thing is that I might have screwed up saying your name. So then I just came out and I was like, yeah, you know, I just almost called you Melissa. Ha <laughs> ha, how funny. And then she didn't seem amused by it and then brought up the fact that I screwed up her name like 20 minutes later. Wow. Which to me means this is really bothering her. And the rest of the time that they were there, we played Cards Against Humanity. You know, we had some snackies. We had some drinkies. And then they left back from Milwaukee that night. But uh, she just, to me, I was like, wow, I just ruined this entire evening seeing a cousin that I haven't seen for like three years because – of mushmouth, man. So, mushmouth is awful. Mushmouth is a real problem in this country. Well, it
0: definitely is. But it was one of those things where did you apologize to her?
1: I don't know. I don't remember.
0: Uh, d- dude, you didn't even get on the Facebookers and be like, "Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I had one too many to drink." Uh, I, I know don't know. Who you are.
1: Here's a picture of us as children. That's a good. I mean, that's a solid I mean, way to get it. Come that. on, Nick. She because yeah. she and this is why I felt bad. She's like the type of cousin that she lives far away, but. Um, at the same time, she's the cousin that, like, comments on all my Facebook statuses. Yeah. You know, she likes everything on Facebook. She's quick to wish me a happy birthday. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, yeah. So she's one of those that's a distant co- a distant first cousin, but at the same time, she tries her best to keep in touch, and now I feel like a total butthole because you know, of
0: it. You know, in a lot of ways, you were probably her favorite cousin.
1: And now I'm not. I, you, felt, I felt, yeah. And you yeah, totally ruined I'm, that. like, outside the top three now. I don't know. If do. I was you,
0: I would send her, like, one of those edible bouquets Yeah. with, like, pineapples and stuff like that. Yeah. Because, like, you got to get back in her good graces. Yeah. And I would make sure you have her I name right, that. too, on the
1: card. That was just an awful night, too, because there was another cousin that I have that, uh, you know, he, he's a young up-and-comer. Okay, um, he's a good kid.
0: I, I like how you make him sound like a fantasy football asset.
1: Well, and, uh, and this is yeah. why I'm starting to think that I'm getting older because I'm cranky. I had a couple of beers. <laughs> he comes in. My dog Brady would not shut the fuck up. Like, well, he Brady just was up. just excited to he see. He just people. kept barking and barking. Yeah. So he walks in, and I'm kind of you know just like you know I'm I'm old fat guy Nick over here. You know, old fat guy Nick cousin. And I hear him. He goes. He goes. If this dog doesn't be quiet, I'm gonna punt him. He's in high. He's a high schooler. He's a high schooler. So he's like with his, one of his buddies, and they're like giggling. And I look over at him. And I'm like, dude. I look right eye contact. I said, if you punt my dog, I'm gonna fucking punt you. Promo hand too. <laughs> I promo handed it. Oh, jeez. Everybody was shut up, and I was like, yeah. just kidding, man. But then everybody. But then later, Zari's like, that was really awkward. I felt like you were gonna try to fight him. And I was like, you know what? I was kind of upset actually when I said that. And then I realized I sounded like a total dickhead. And then I decided to backtrack and say, "Just kidding, bro." And then at the same
0: time, you actually gave Zari a promo hand and be like, "Listen here, <laughs> hot stuff, I'm totally gonna." Kick you ever me. have any
1: awkward family gatherings like that where you try to call out a relative when it doesn't seem like it's necessary? Um, no, no, actually, uh, <laughs> no. Most most family outings,
0: I just shut the fuck up. Yikes! Like yeah. uh, if like take for instance, like Dad's Christmas, you know. So it's like him, the stepmom. Step kids on her side, nephews, nieces, all that fun stuff. So I'm supposed to be, like, happy-go-lucky, like, Uncle Jesse. Yeah. I'm John Stamos on these things, you know? <laughs> so I will go play games with the kids. Like, I will be the one who gets, you know, hit in the nuts when kids are throwing balls or whatever. Oh, that. yeah, okay. So I have to be that uncle, you yeah. know? So when adults are making a ruckus, yeah, like, I just kind of turn the other cheek and kind of go, like, what the fuck's their problem? Yeah. You know, because uh, there's a lot of them. They're just like, what the fuck's their problem? Like, case in point, this was a really good story, so... I got one of my nephews, Wyatt. He's a big Transformer fan. Mm-hmm. So I got him a Transformer. You oh, know? cool. Because that's what you do. I got him a Sea Spray. who's nice. the hovercraft yeah. from the original like, Transformers and stuff like that. He just got a new action figure. It's a really cool one, actually. It's way better than the old sea Spray because the old Seaspray sucked ass. Um, but anyhow, like, he opens it up, and he's just like, you can see the excitement on his face. He's like, oh, man, I really can't wait to transform this son of a bitch. And like, his future like, stepdad is like, now, buddy. You can't open that up here. You might lose some parts, so we'll wait until you get home. And his face just went pale. He's just like, fuck. I got to wait. I got to wait now. And he's just, like, looking at this thing. He's just looking at it and looking at it. And he's like, you can can tell he just wants to open it up. And, like, the the, the joy and the excitement and all that stuff has just been, like, totally erased from his Christmas. (laughs) And I almost wanted to get up and be like, listen here, dude. There's only one extra part there, and it's his fucking gun. (laughs) It's not the end of the world if he loses the gun. You know? Like, he should be fine. I mean, let the kid have some fun on Christmas, you know? Like, Jesus Christ. You don't have to be, like, a fucking asshole on Christmas Day. You only live once, man. You only live once. And, like, this is going to be the kid you're going to raise for the next, like, 10, 15 years. And you're going to be a dickhole like that? Yeah. Now, imagine if, like, they went to Chuck E. Cheese or something like that. And the kid's all excited. He's got all those fucking tickets. And he's going to be like, listen, pal. We're gonna be coming back here in about like two months. Why don't you save those tickets and we'll get a giant elephant?
1: Fuck that! No, I want. I don't want sticky hands. I don't want to be taught. taught. I don't want to be taught adult yeah. lessons when I'm fucking eight years old. Like I want my yeah. shit and I want it now because you want to have an enjoyable childhood. So when you look back on it, you're not thinking, oh well, this was a, a big learning experience for me. I learned all these cool things, including saving tickets, which ultimately led to me putting money in my bank account. Fuck that! I'd rather be broke when I'm 25 and have a fun childhood.
0: Yeah, here's the bream broke at 25. Okay, right, anyways, cool, let's guys. set the
1: table. So this is Jesse Von Rudin. I'm Nick Ragnar. We haven't done the Grapple Talk flagship in what feels like probably a month. It's been a and long you know, time. I wouldn't be,
0: wouldn't be surprised it's about a month.
1: But what we're trying to do now is I think we're going to try to meet like every Monday morning before work, have some Mm -hmm. coffees, and then do Grapple Talk AM where we talk about uh, the latest in entertainment and uh, who's dating who on the red carpet. And no? Is that not what we're doing?
0: Yeah, basically, yeah. So it's going to be very much like NPR now. So we're just going (laughs) to be like, hey, Nick, how's
1: it going? Do they they purposely talk like that? I I think
0: they do. I think actually when you get hired at NPR, they actually sit you down for a sensitivity training class where you basically have to sit there and you have to talk in a certain manner.
1: Because it appeals to your audience. I, apparently. Maybe. Well, come on. If
0: you think about it, like, morning, like, disc jockeys have a certain way of talking.
1: Hey, what's up? What's hey, up, guys? guys. Hello. Hey, Okay. Well, anyways, big show that happened a couple of days ago. And this is why it's great that we're finally getting back together. We're finally in the booth together because... There's not a better time to talk about wrestling than right now because Wrestle Kingdom just happened. It marks basically a year ago in which I first got New Japan World to watch mm-hmm. the previous Wrestle Kingdom. It's been a fun and wild ride, but I can tell you what, honestly, Jesse, honest honest to God, I have probably used my New Japan World subscription Um, more than I have used my WWE Network subscription over the previous 365 days. That's
0: saying a lot. So do you find yourself actually watching as many events as possible on New Japan World, or are you just going back and actually watching other old events as well?
1: What I try to do is, like, I try to stay current, so I watch a lot of the house show events and things like that just to kind of see what they're doing in between these big shows. And then, like, if something perks my interest, like, I had not watched any of the Okada Tanahashi, you know, trilogy or anything. So then I'd go back and I'd watch that, and I'd, I'd pick out specific matches and things like that that I'd kind of want to go back and watch. So I'm not necessarily utilizing it like I did a WWE Network when I'd go back and watch an entirety of WrestleMania 10, but I am going back and watching specific matches, and I think over the next couple of months, since obviously there's a little bit of a lull between now and when we have our our next kind of, you know, big um no, New Japan. We got
0: new beginnings coming up at the end of the month.
1: Is that it? really? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So coming up next we have uh the three Fantastic Man- Manica shows. I think that yeah.
1: Fantastic Minico?
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, joint shows they
1: do with CMN. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then,
0: of course, you have the two New Beginning shows.
1: Now, what's being booked for New Beginning so far? I don't know yet.
0: We can speculate because a lot of cool shit happened actually at New Year's, Eve. DAS, but we really need to get to Wrestle Kingdom because that's the story we're talking about.
1: And I don't think we necessarily have enough time to touch on everything because I think it was a five and a half hour show, a five hour and 45 minute show. Yeah, but you know what? It
0: was like five and a half hours of pure wrestling fun and it didn't feel like it
1: yeah you know we talked about this when i first got in here and typically how i've we've talked about this in the past how i watch some of these um, New Japan shows, since obviously they air so early in the morning, is mm-hmm. I try to watch, I try to stay spoiler free, and then I watch like the really big matches because you know, throughout the day normally some things are going to get spoiled, so if I can watch the Jericho Omega, if I can watch the the main event of Naito versus Okada, then I don't have to worry about in an hour seeing the results somewhere online, I can just kind of see it, you know, I can, I can, I can kind of experience the finish of that match uh, to its fullest, so I watched those couple of matches back on Thursday, and then actually last night we talked about the this is, was my opportunity to go back and watch a lot of the undercard matches, uh, not including like the Never uh, Six Man Tag Titles because honestly that's not usually my cup of tea. But I even heard those matches were actually quite entertaining as well. They were, they were uh, between like the Never Six
0: Man, the um, IWGP Tag Team Match, which was a really good match. If you get an opportunity, watch that one. It's a lot of fun. Um, they have a really good false finish in the beginning. You're like, oh man, they had me hooked. Yep, they had me hooked. The Six Man. Six-man is going to be the six-man because it's Gauntlet style. Yep. So you know, like, okay, the first team's not going to end up winning this thing. But uh, congratulations to the team of Chaos. We had Yano, Beretta, and Ishii winning those titles. Uh, congratulations to Evil and Sonata winning the tag team titles as well. But you started your day off right, right away with Jericho and Omega, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I think... I have a little bit of bias in that because Jericho is one of my all-time favorites. I've said it before. He went on this whole New Japan run, which I think has been honestly phenomenal for what that company is. It's something that's different. He kind of brought, as a lot of people were saying, somewhat of a WWE style, but obviously it's a little bit more rated R. Um, But it was just – it felt – it was so – it, was, it, was, it just felt really refreshing, like I said, in that New Japan scenario. And the reason why I think the Omega and Jericho match was so successful and so good um, was because it's something that we honestly don't see in New Japan very often, like it kind of mm-hmm. felt like a throwback to, um, you know, an old, old school WWE main event where they were going all around the building and Jericho was just this incredible heat magnet, even though there was probably quite a few people that paid just to see Jericho there yeah. that night. Um, and Omega obviously was able to kind of almost work a different kind of style To Jericho's liking, but at the same time, I think Jericho proved throughout that match that this dude could keep up with Omega, even though he's like, what is he, 45, 47? Oh yeah, he's creeping towards 50. Yeah, and that's I think that's what was crazy um, about that match. And there's a couple of moments that really stick out of my mind. Wh- whether it was you know um, Omega looking for the one winged angel, and then Jericho like a victory roll back into yeah. the walls of Jericho. Like it was just that crazy and like how late that happened
0: in the match too. I know like, this dude is pushing fifty. Yeah, and that was so fucking smooth.
1: Yeah. one of my one of my favorite parts of the match, from the moments that I won't forget, was when um, Jericho hit his first lion salt because that crowd popped for they a lion did. salt they out did. of all the things that they say they, 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 you know we could talk about the uh the junior match uh mm-hmm. later on with you know osprey and whatever like all the moves that those guys did jericho does one simple little lion salt off the second rope and i mean the crowd was oh well i think a little bit of his actually is like the nostalgia factor,
0: and that's why i think you it know, was because so like jericho cool. has been there since like 96 97 so yeah. it's been almost 20 years and for him to do that at this point of his career at that stage and the biggest stage of them all in front of the, f- the fan base, they wanted to see that nostalgia. So you did get the nostalgia of Jericho there. And as you alluded to, like his athleticism in that match was like off the charts. The, uh, the springboard drop kick where you call it Omega on the ropes. Yep. So good. Yeah. So good. Wise. Like the timing was f- impeccable on that one. Like the whole match, like if there was two words for that matchup, it's timing and placement because yep. everything led to something else. Right. Didn't matter if it was like involving the steel chair which got used repeatedly, but, like, the way it got used. Yeah. It's, like, it got propped in the corner, like, 15 minutes into the matchup. It wasn't another 15 minutes until they actually used it again. Yeah, The table spot on the outside, like, everything led to something. And it was one of those matches, like, as you alluded to, it, it felt like, a, uh, like an attitude throwback match. Yep. Because it involved everything. Like, the announcers, Red Shoes yep. got involved. Red yep. Shoes' son got involved. You know, that was You <laughs> He really put him cool. in a lion tamer. You yeah. remember when I told you
1: that? I was like, I want to see a line tamer. Yeah. He had two that night. He
0: did. And it was great, too, because, like, he's yelling at Red Shoes. He's like, ah, there's your
1: Look dad. At- <laughs> <laughs> there's your son. Look ah. at your son. Look at your son. Yeah, it was great. You know, yep. and
0: like, he just came off as, a, like, an old school heel. And it was one of those things as the match progressed, too. Like, the nostalgia pop for Jericho went away.
1: Because he was doing such a great job in getting yes. heat with. Now let me ask you this. Um, so we talk about you know Jericho, Omega, and how I, th- I personally thought it was it was honestly my favorite match of the night. Um, I know we didn't want to talk about WWE necessarily because we have a lot to talk about and this uh-huh. is about Wrestle Kingdom. But when you look at this, when you look at what Jericho was able to do in the ring, quite possibly, I think some would argue, his best match in, in years, maybe five years um in quite a long time that's,
0: that's saying a lot because he actually he's had good matches
1: yeah you know
0: but this is definitely a seminal jericho performance
1: and but then you look at and you look at the the story leading up to it. i mean jericho made what, two japan appearances yeah. one actually there and then one remote you know through the whatever they set this whole feud up through uh, a twitter message mm-hmm. uh, a couple months prior to that um you know it didn't take much for to, to build up a lot of hype into the ma- this match. And it necessarily wouldn't because you're getting a match in which you never thought you would see. But when you look at the character work and, uh, you know, like the press conference stuff, and then the actual match, uh, you know, the actual match that they, they had, I mean, this just feels... For Jericho, like, it was one of the best things that I've seen in, in quite a few years being a big fan of his. But then we go back and we look at WWE. I mean, can you really compare this at all to his runs in WWE? Because obviously you have the restrictions. Obviously you don't have TV every single week in which you have to come up with new content. I mean, is, is it appropriate to be able to compare this to WWE stuff? Um, I don't think so. Because
0: you're not getting as much content. Like, the only one that actually kind of, like, fits the parameters of how this feud actually kind of worked out was, like, the feud he had with Michaels, that second one. Like, it's very much a blood feud. It was, you know, let's get the most out of what we can when we can. And you can almost see it extending. But at the same time, though, like, I I don't think you can. I don't think you can because WWE, for whatever parent reason, like, it is set in the mindset of, hey – what happens on TV, that's the only story. Right. Even though you got all this social media stuff, you got all these house shows that you're running, the only thing that matters is like the three hours on Raw, the two hours on SmackDown. Nothing on 205 really fucking matters, no. which sucks. You know, yeah. it's a good show, too. You know, if you get a chance, watch it. I don't. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. Um, but, no, I think with New Japan and the way everything's kind of really set up where it is like the lack of, Overexposure. Mm-hmm. They don't have a weekly show. Yep. They don't need to have a weekly nope. show. Because everything they do, like there was a stat in the middle of the Okada Naito match, which I thought it was a fairy tale stat, where they're doing singles records. And this stuck out to me. And you're like, Holy shit.
1: Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okada only had fourteen yep. singles matches this year. Fourteen fucking singles matches. Now think about this. Roman Reigns would have fourteen singles matches in a month.
1: Yeah, I think they just announced that Jinder Mahal was the workhorse of the year. He had over 200 matches, I think, Oh, Jesus uh, Christ. in 2017. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. And you know, um oh,
0: he's big enough to be a fucking workhorse.
1: I, I just see a lot of people yeah. always continually go back to it, and they go, "Well, why can't we see this in WWE? Why, why is this? Why is this feud? Why is this match not something we would we would see in WWE?" And I think there's multiple counterpoints to that. It would be partially well, we're not seeing this every single week. We have weeks ourselves to be like, holy shit, I'm really excited for this match. You might get a, a Facebook video from New Japan every once in a while that's yep. like, we had an interview with Kenny Omega, and this is what he had to say. God, that was such a terrible impersonation. I know dude. that. Yeah, well, yeah. I started doing it, and I was like, that seems, oh, kind of, yeah. that seems kind of racist, so then I called it back. Um, but I think that's part of it. And then the other part, too, is I think, honestly, it's just kind of how you enjoy seeing your wrestling. I think when it comes, I honestly think the new, the, this Jericho mega match is something that we do see on WWE sometimes, but I think the way that it's shot, I think the, um, not the, the the overuse of zooms and cuts yep. in WWE production isn't seen very much. I think it's a lot. It's it's presented more as a sport. Mm-hmm. You don't have Michael Cole sitting there going, "The big dog." Yep. The big dog. Alpha, alpha versus <laughs> omega. Alpha versus omega. Look at that. You know, you don't yeah, have yeah. necessarily that on commentary every 30 seconds. That kind of overdoes it a little bit too. And honestly, I think a lot. I've seen this. You know, sometimes the production does feel a little bit cheaper. But at the same time, for a guy like you or me, that we might enjoy that because again, it does bring us back a little bit to like this real sports broadcasting feel. Um, so I think those were kind of the big differences between what you might see at a WrestleMania here in a couple of months.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, though, it's like there was no lack of expenses that were actually you right. know like held back for Wrestle Kingdom. Like that set yep. was gorgeous. Yeah, it was the pyro, the lasers, the the new costumes for the guys, all that stuff. Like, nothing was, like, held back, and they did a tremendous job with that one, too. Plus, the gate was really good. So, basically, we come under the agreement that Jericho and Omega was a really good match.
1: Yeah, but then you look at...
0: And and then the right guy went over, and it was actually kind of interesting because of what they were able to do the following day, based on the main event as well, which we'll get to here in a second, which was Okada and Naito.
1: Okay, spoiler alert. Everybody should at this point know that okada retained the yes. iwgp championship if you don't know that that yet and you're trying to remain spoiler free sorry we're just you li- <laughs> you know if you're one of the if you are just that really small niche crowd that is so small both listens to this show and watches new japan pro wrestling and is for some reason trying to wait on watching that main event i apologize but okada did win jesse there's been a lot of backlash because we look at naito and we say It was this dude's time. I think even from the outside looking in, we're not necessarily the biggest, most ginormous New Japan pro wrestling fans, you know, by any means. But I think we could both kind of come Mm -hmm. to the agreement that Naito was as as hot hot as as you can be, right? Mm -hmm. Did they make a mistake in not putting the strap on this guy? No. Why? This is the reason why. All right.
0: So Naito, coming into the matchup, the big thing for him wasn't so much the championship. It was main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. Right. That was the story, and I think a lot of us actually got wrapped up in the fact that, holy shit, this guy is hot right now, but he wasn't talking about the one thing he wanted. He just wanted a main event, and as that match progressed, you can kind of see him revert back to the whole Stardust thing he used to do, the Stardust Genius, and this was something like, even before I started listening to the Voice of Wrestling podcast yesterday on this one. Like, I'm watching a matchup, and you can feel the excitement and the joy in Naito. Like, he became a kid again in that match. He was, like, pointing to the crowd. He's calling for that Stardust press. You know, he, he's, he was not being the Naito that we know, the cool, calm, collective, kind of, like, badass Naito. Right. He was becoming that kid again. Right. And even that promo before the match, when they were hyping the fact that he was a junior high student and he won a main event Wrestle Kingdom. Right. Like, all that shit. Like, you should have known. You should have known based on the presentation leading up to that matchup that the person they wanted to push was both of these guys. But you didn't have to switch the title to do it because Naito comes out of that matchup a bigger star, like a way bigger star because now this guy was this close, this fucking close to winning that belt, and he costed himself. Right. And Okada, man, he is now the K.G veteran champion. He'll do whatever it takes. He'll take whatever opportunity it means to hold on to that title. And that's the story they're telling right now. Because right now, he is now, like, based on, like, what the hell is the word? Collective number of dates. He has held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship longer than anyone. And he's done it in four reigns. Four reigns, Nick. Yep. That is crazy. There is no one on that roster right now that is actually prepared to take that spot.
1: Right. I agree with you. I don't yeah. I, I honestly couldn't see Naito being that same guy, but at the same time, for me it just feels like honestly, I know they're trying to build Okada to be this, you know, the, the and rightfully so. I mean, he has proven time and time again that he is arguably the best wrestler not only in the world right now, but mm-hmm. one of the best that we've ever seen. Yeah. I think I think it's pretty easy oh, to say. say. I think yeah. we yeah. look back in a couple of years it it'll, it'll be easier to make that argument, but uh but you know, last year with Wrestle Kingdom, it just felt like it's like this is this is perfect for Omega. This is the time to catapult him into that new superstar spectrum that he wasn't at prior to that. Even though he had won the G1, um, when you look at Naito again. It's like this is the perfect opportunity to keep both of these guys hot and lead into this big summer feud between those two in which you can maybe work towards a different main event for Wrestle Kingdom 13 because, again, we talked about this last year. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know how they can't do Omega Okada at the Dome next year. And now I'm sitting here going, I don't know how they can't do Naito Okada at the Dome next year, but who knows what they're going to do because obviously plans change in the middle of the year. They have new feuds and things like that that happen. But you look at this, and again, it kind of goes back to a lot of your WWE debates when it comes to like Asuka. It's like, who the fuck is going to beat this guy? Yeah, who, who's going to be the person that dethrones him? You know, how 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 much longer can you build this up and use it to catapult somebody into that new spectrum? Because we already saw it with Omega. At this point, I don't think an Omega uh, championship victory over Okada means as much if he does it anymore. In Naito, I guess that story ha- still hasn't been told yet. I don't know. Maybe if, uh, you know, when they come to um, the States, whatever they're planning on doing, it seems like mm-hmm. that might be more of a Jericho-Naito thing. I would, I would assume that maybe they're building towards that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think you need to run the Jericho-Naito match in the States. It's going to sell out no matter what. Right. You know? Like, you can give them the tag if you wanted to. Yeah. You know, you can do a lot of different things if you wanted to. Hell, maybe you should just burn Omega Cody there.
1: That's what I'm I've you know uh, that's what I would be why assuming. Why don't you just yeah. burn that match there? Yeah. You
0: don't have to burn that one in this you don't have to burn that one in Japan. But There's again, no but, that,
1: but that's kind of where we are right now. We have yeah. no idea where it's gonna go. But like I said, to me, it's like I feel like I don't think you necessarily miss the opportunity, but that to me felt like the perfect time to do a title switch. And now it's like they'll they'll probably I mean, who knows? Next year Wrestle Kingdom, like I said, last year it felt like it was a perfect opportunity for Omega. They didn't do it. This year to me it felt like perfect opportunity for Naito they didn't do it maybe next year there'll be a it'll they'll do a great job storytelling and building up the right guy and it will feel like it but at the same time you know I just feel like that's two consecutive years in which I think it's done a lot for both guys Omega has now become even though he hasn't held that belt I think he is a guy that you expect to come out there and be top of the card type of you know performance every single time you see him Naito obviously did all this building up without having the championship mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I I guess storytelling-wise, it just felt like the right time to take the belt off Okada. And because I think a little bit, you know, he still obviously gets the reactions. He still... Quite possibly the most popular guy in New Japan, but it doesn't feel like it's as strong as it was like last year. I feel like his support isn't where it was because I think honestly people are just like, man, this guy's held this belt for a while. We're ready to see something new, and maybe that's what they're building towards—a character mm-hmm. change, right? Because honestly, when he came out there, he's got the new fucking pants on. Yeah, he's got the slick haircut. To man, me, I was like, I was like, this trash. dude. Honestly, yeah. this dude to me looks like a smug heel. That's how yeah. I. That's how I kind of saw Okada throughout that entire match. But that's kind of how he's been for the past year, anyway. Yeah, but
0: you gotta look at it too. So like. If if you really, if you think about it, I think it works to New Japan's favor when you're expanding to have viable stars. Because as of right now, they're expanding like motherfuckers. They're probably going to have a big Australian tour coming up here at some point. I would not be surprised if they actually do that after the G1. Because they only announce dates through the G1. Right. I would not be surprised if there's an extra U.S. date after the G1. Why the fuck not? Right. Um... But as of right now, with expanding, you got to look at the top, top five guys, and any of these five guys could headline. Okada, Naito, Omega, Tanahashi is there. And the fifth guy. Man, I said five. But, like, I, you know, like, hell, you could put, like, like Godel there, or Suzuki there, or yeah. something like that. Ishii. Or Ishii. Like, where, where, like, three years ago, when you had Nakamura, Tanahashi, Okada, Styles, like, they were able to expand there. But now I think with, like, the viable base they have, they could use any of those guys to headline. That's why you can put Okada now in a tag feud. Right. You know, because you have enough guys to actually sell out a main event in a building. Yeah. Yeah, it do. doesn't really matter. So I, I think, like, the health of New Japan is really good. I think it was the right call. You know, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, we might look back in, like, five months and be like, well, oh, the houses went down. I don't think the house is going to go down. Right. At all.
1: Yep. Let's let's talk about this real quick too. Yeah, sure. Um, because I know we're cr- probably winding down a little bit on New Japan talk because yeah, we're running short you on time. A... But uh I want to talk about Jay White. Uh-huh. What were your thoughts on Jay White? Did you do you think he looked like he was ready for that for that spotlight? Would you have rather seen Tanahashi, Ishii? Maybe you you don't have Ishii in that six man. And if you have Jay White in this situation, do you think with Tanahashi's health, with the ability to maybe give him some time off to kind of recover a little bit? Do you think it would have been smart for them to pull the trigger on White to try to shoot him in that upper echelon? Because obviously a lot of people don't necessarily know who this guy is, especially in Japan.
0: Um, no. And the reason why is because you can headline with your Intercontinental Champion. As of right now, Jay White's very much a, a non-proven commodity in New Japan. Yep. like Young Lion, went away, came back. Good character. Interesting character. It's a different type of character. Um, but he needed to kind of prove himself on that stage, and I thought he proved himself on that stage in a loss. Like, he held his own against Tanahashi. Now, you could have made a new star. Eh, you know, I, I don't think necessarily a win makes a new star. I think sometimes a win tips your hand that you make making a new star. But with everything they did with Jay White at, like, New Year's Dash, having him join Chaos. Yep. And then even calling out Okada in the fucking press conference. Yep. When you join Chaos. Turning down Bullet Club. Like, that's that's what you do. You you put this guy in a, like a stage where now he's got feuds he can do with Bullet Club. He's got that in fighting with Chaos. He can do all those different things, and I think that really kind of works out because if you think about it too, it's like when Okada joined Chaos when Nakamura invited him in. You knew at some point in time Okada and Nakamura were gonna cross horns. You know, at some point in time Jay White and I, like Okada are gonna cross horns now. It just fits. It just makes sense, and I think he did more with the loss and with him just doing a little bit of character work and promo work, then now you have a viable guy. Yeah. That's going
1: to be interesting to see where his story goes. There was definitely a couple of times throughout the match that I felt like his inexperience kind of showed a little bit. Uh, he had some younger, you know, tendencies against a guy like Tanahashi where I feel like yep. it necessarily he almost looked like a deer in the headlights. But then as the match progressed and uh, kind of towards the finish, I was like, oh, this dude actually seems pretty legit. He seems like he's actually pretty, pretty solid in the ring. I would, honestly, I would. I was thinking about this the entire time, and I might be an idiot for thinking so. But when I think of the Switchblade character and uh, when I think of, you know, the promos and stuff like that that he cut, I would have liked to have seen more like, uh, I don't know if I want to, like a Randy Orton, like Viper-esque kind of movement. You know, I, I wish he was a little bit more smooth with his movements, you know, because honestly, for the first half of the match, he felt like, to me, like a young Baron Corbin that saw his hair. <laughs> like, that's exactly, he just felt like a big, kind of like uh rough-em-tough-em generic yeah. style kind of wrestler. You know, I didn't really feel like he was anything out of the ordinary um, I would I would have liked to have seen that whole because that, I thought it was the switchblade character was mm-hmm. kind of intriguing at first right with yeah. the promo and all this other stuff I was like oh that's kind of interesting you know the the fucking getup that he was wearing when he came out there and and fucking called out Tanahashi but it's like I, I wish it would have showed more in ring like when he was having his match like he did feel a little bit more smooth and sly and stuff like that yeah. you know it in the ring during his matchup because otherwise he just felt like that kind of generic 250-pound white wrestler that has long hair and really tight tights, you know, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I thought I, he was think, pretty impressive after the match.
0: He'll get there. Um, it's like going back and watching Okada's, you know, debut as a rainmaker at Wrestle Kingdom, maybe like eight or something like that. Yep. When he took on Yoshihashi. Yep. It was still very much a work in progress. He'll get there. He's got a lot of time to get there. He'll get there. Um, and, of course, when you mean with, like, switchblade, it's like, poof, button. Yep. Hit that button on a switchblade, it pops right up. And I think he'll get there at some point in time, especially with that finish he's got. Like, he can hit that anywhere. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if some point in time it just kind of, like, clicks for him.
1: Outside of the matches that we talked about, is there mm-hmm. any that really stuck out to you that if there are people that are listening? Because, honestly, a lot of people that are listening probably don't have that service. Mm-hmm. If there's a match that they should seek out... Um, to kind of get a firm grasp on what New Japan is, what's your recommendation that oh, we that, haven't talked that's about? That's
0: a good question. Um, firm grasp of what New Japan is. Definitely the heavyweight title match. Like that that is exactly what New Japan is. It's good athletic storytelling. Um, if you're looking for a fun car wreck of a matchup, definitely that junior four. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely.
0: Um it was one of those matches where you know, a lot of people were harping on New Japan for make, you know, for not making Osprey a star. Well, they made him a star in that match. That, that whole, whole match, match was based on
1: Will Osprey. It definitely was. You felt that because Osprey really had an opportunity to show. Because yeah. I'm a huge fan of Takahashi. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, because for the first like whatever it was, 15 minutes, Takahashi didn't do jack shit. Yeah. yeah. I was like, they're burying this guy. And then all of a sudden, a he hit like yeah, two yeah. sunset, you know, flip power, power bombs yeah, flip yep. the outside. And I was like, okay, never mind. He got his, he got his comeuppance. But yep. but yeah, that match. It, what I love about those Fatal forays is that you know it doesn't feel like it's the th- you know injure two guys and then two guys just go at it for mm-hmm. a while. It felt like everybody it was like an ever flowing yeah. you know movement the entire time. Like everybody felt important, everybody was doing stuff. Yes, and uh, you know I, I think that's what I really enjoyed about that. And that most. might be and like
0: the the template for these multi man matches going forward, right. especially if like if you're an indie guy. Yeah, like that, this is a match you kind of want to watch to make sure that. You can make you you can you can tell who's the story of the star of the match, and you can actually have everyone get their shit in. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And
0: it doesn't have to be rushed or feel rushed because it wasn't at all.
1: And I would also say I'd point out Goto and Suzuki. Yes, that was um, a really good story match, my God. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. At the beginning, the first couple of minutes, I mean uh, – Dude, it could
0: have been over after you choked him out in the corner. Yeah, Suzuki yeah.
1: basically put Goto in like a hangman sleeper hold in yep. the corner, and Goto sold his ass off for like the next – 15 minutes, like this dude was almost unconscious. Yeah. And my God, Suzuki laid into him. I'm pretty sure he was hitting him with actual elbows. Like, yep. I was in that fucking slap sequence where he just, for like five minutes yeah. I was like, holy dude, shit! I'm
0: sitting on my couch, I'm watching that, I'm like, Jesus, fuck! You know? and like,
1: that, <laughs> it's like a that, Street Fighter combo. I was like, dude, oh my man, god. Like
0: I love Suzuki to death, but so like, anytime he's on a big stage, that big match like that, this guy overperforms every time.
1: Oh my god. That So that's a great match to watch. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a match that I really, really enjoyed, and I saw some people on Twitter talk about this, was uh, Rapungi 3 k against You know, the Young Bucks. I think a lot of people like to shit on the Young Bucks sometimes. I think I was one of those people for a while, too. Um, But man, you know, as far as being able to sell and having an in, like, the the story of having two guys, one in the Young Bucks, one in the Rapungi 3K, that had, you know, a a bad back the entire matchup, Mm -hmm. and they were able to tell that. And honestly, there were times where I was like, are these two dudes actually fucking injured? And then obviously, you know, as the match progressed, I was like, oh, it's part of the match, but the, the psychology of the match. But I thought this was another great match that kind of killed a lot of what. People now assume are young Bucks matches. I think this was one of the best tag matches that I've seen in quite a while. Young Bucks tend to do that at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is definitely one to check out if you want to kind of, you know, have a nice grasp on what a, a young Bucks match is, opposed to seeing all these super kick highlights and, you know, Meltzer Driver highlights on the internet.
0: Yeah, definitely. And another match, too, if you want to go out of your way and watch, is Cody against the Oh, Abushi. yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah. And that was a very,
0: very good match. And like you and me were kind of talking back and forth in the DMs, this might have been Cody's best match outside of WWE.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously the Okada match is up there too from when they were in uh, Long, Long Beach. Beach but yeah. but this match was, yeah, it was phenomenal. I really love what Cody's doing with this character. And I kind of saw, you know, somebody likening Cody and Brandy's run as as like the modern day Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage. now I don't know if I'd say it's that it's anything like that, but I kind of like the, I love the power couple idea. I love Brandy, you know, making appearances at these really big time matchups for Cody and playing an element in the matchup and Cody, you know, going over there and like giving her kisses and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just different. And he is like, he's it, it really exemplifies this cocky persona. He's like, look at my hot wife. Look at me with my bleach blonde hair. I'm this cocky prick. I'm a, you know, I'm a legacy. And, uh, I, I, I just, I really like Cody's character work because it feels like something that he never did in WWE. And, um, and I, I'm honestly, you know, after shit talking Cody Rhodes for a majority of the time that he first broke into the indies, I'm really enjoying his, like his latest runs and all the companies that he's been a part of.
0: Yeah, definitely. It was one of those matchups where like, like Abushi got his shit in and he did well. And this, this is probably the strongest showing that Cody could have in New Japan. Like, in New Japan proper, he actually got a reaction when he came out. And I know that was, like, one of the biggest knocks on him for the longest time was, like, the lack of reaction when he came out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting to see where everything kind of leads with him now because that Ibushi match really kind of be that turning point for that Omega-Cody storyline going forward. We'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, again, New Japan, if you haven't caught it yet, if you are listening to this and and you have watched it, you know, let us know what your thoughts were. Hit us up on the Grapple Talk on Facebook, the Grapple Talk on Twitter. And if you haven't watched it, you know, again, it's a really good show to to kind of take in. I know we have the Royal Rumble coming up in WWE, but again, this is just a totally different product from what you're going to see mm-hmm. on the WWE Network. It is... We talk about this a lot too, you know, when you look at WWE, when you look at New Japan, you can't really compare the companies because they're almost two completely different companies at yeah. this point. New Japan is obviously extremely geared toward the sports side of it, towards the professional wrestling aspect of it. WWE is a little bit more towards the entertainment. You can't blame them. They have weekly television. They have like it's 30 hours marketing. a week. Yeah, right. Yeah. They just have so much stuff they have to do. It's hard to, you know, stick WWE and saying that, "Oh, they're not up to, you know, New Japan standards as far as pro wrestling or whatever the fuck people like to say." Um, but I think it's really nice to watch because sometimes you get that, you get, you, you get a feeling of a throwback a little bit. It kind of takes you back to like the early nineties and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think everybody, if you can, uh, try to watch this show and, you know, I hate to be that guy, but you know, you can find these matches for free pretty much anywhere on the internet yeah. if you don't necessarily want to pay the subscription fee, but it's only 9.99 yen, which is yeah. like nine bucks. Yeah. It's totally easy to use. Um, if you're
0: using Google Chrome, it's got a translate button. Yep. It's pretty easy
1: to navigate. Yep. It's pretty easy to navigate. And I know that we've been kind of spoiled with the network because we pay whatever it is. What is it? Nine ninety nine. Yeah. A month. Isn't that what they say? Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It ends up
0: being like ten fifty.
1: Yeah. And I know we've been spoiled because we have all these old school pay per views and we have the nostalgia stuff and we were well, able New to Japan watch. Well, Japan World WCW. has got that as well. Exactly. And I think paying nine ninety nine yen is is worth enough to watch the past couple of Wrestle Kingdoms, let alone all the oh, yeah. other content that they're able to provide. So, um, it's a nice way to kind of get ingrained in what a lot of people are considering one of the top three companies in the world right now and it's just so different than wwe it's not like you're purchasing a subscription service for the same thing that you're able to watch on mondays tuesdays wednesdays and whenever they have pay-per-views um it's a good change of pace and like i said at the same time you know it doesn't feel like you're it doesn't feel like wwe when you're like oh now i'm watching three hours of raw i'm watching two hours of smackdown and now i'm watching an hour of nxt it feels like something completely different so it's not adding on that backlog that you might have if you are a big wwe fan
0: yeah man like uh, i hate to say it I haven't watched for all of SmackDown in fucking forever. And yeah. a lot of that's for the simple fact that I don't have the time to use for five hours of wrestling. Yeah, Smackdown. you know,
1: I've there's been a couple of times where I've been home and honestly, Monday Night Football hasn't been doing it for me. So I'll have like WWE in the background after mm-hmm. like if Zari has to go to bed or something and I'll just be sitting there working on something and I'll put it on. And there's been some good stuff and obviously we can talk about this probably next week, but Roman Reigns has been having a phenomenal run with this Intercontinental title, I think, or US title. I think it's it's, it's intercontinental. Yeah, is it Intercontinental? Yeah. I don't fucking know, I don't care. <laughs> but um but I but well,
0: you're just like he's got a phenomenal run. I fuck up with the belt. But yeah. but
1: here but here's I yeah, I was like I couldn't even yeah. remember. I remember what the title was. So maybe he's not doing that great of a job, but he's been doing a great job in building up his character. Maybe not, you know, making the title everything it needs to be, but I mean you could have done this without the belt. Um um, but obviously the formula with John Cena's Open U.S. Tour, and that's why I got it confused um, a, a year ago, was the formula to, to build Roman Reigns back up, and that's what they're doing. But again, we can talk about that maybe next week because we got to take a break. We have more things to talk about, including some local stuff. So you're listening to Grapple Talk. Don't go anywhere. We're talking uh, RCCW and BCW when we get back.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'll take my eggs over easy, and I'll take my podcast, Deach and Dash. That's right, the Deach and Dash podcast hosted by me, gorgeous Jordy Lee, available via the Grapple Talk Network. It's about to get weird. We're going to talk some wrestling, maybe, some life, probably, and I'm definitely going to ask whether you prefer ketchup or mustard. Catch us via the Grapple Talk Network and wherever iPods are available to you. iPods or podcasts? God, I'm the
1: worst. Hey guys, this is AC Riley reminding you to check out the Riley Factor only on the Grapple Talk Network. Join me as I talk wrestling, interview wrestlers in my Spotlight and Squared Circle segment, and much, much more. What are you waiting for? Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the Grapple Talk Network today. And as always, support independent wrestling. Welcome back to Grapple Talk. Uh, Jesse, we got a lot of stuff coming up this weekend. We got BCW. And we got RCCW.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I don't know where you want to start out first.
1: Well, what's going on with BCW? Why don't you tell
0: me uh, BCW's got their Rise to Honor show. It's Rise to Honor thirteen. It's gonna be actually the last time they're gonna be at the uh, Knights of Columbus. Yeah. And they, they got, got some new- big matches. Oh yeah, big matches, of course, right away. Um you almost have to talk about the um, one of the one of the biggest ones. It's a no DQ match between Evil Sierra and Frankie DeFalco.
1: Yeah, that should be really interesting. you know. I find that interesting because as a guy like again you know we talk about this with BCW a lot but uh you know I don't happen to go to a lot of BCW shows but I feel like I'm I know the storylines because they do a great job mm-hmm. posting on social media. All their workers do a great job yep. of keeping everybody up to date. And this feels like, to me, even though I haven't been there, just like this long, drawn-out, like it's, it's coming to a culmination feud because after Sierra kind of turned her back in the company, aligned herself with this, um, I don't think there's a better way to kind of come to that climax with, with you know than these two facing off in the ring. It sounds It's teacher versus student.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a good lesson in a slow build. Because, like, you kind of, like, you tease the dissension for three to four months. And then you get it. And then you get the turn. And then you kind of, instead of just burning that match up right away, you build to it. You build to it. You build to it. And this is going to be the first time Frankie's been back in the ring in, like, almost three years. Yeah. This is huge for him. This is huge for BCW. This is a good blow-off match for this whole feud. Student versus teacher. Intergender matchup. You know, this This is a big step for, for Sierra as well. It's a big step for Frankie. I mean, that's that's a really good feud right there. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Dysfunction taking on Shane Douglas yeah, again. Yeah, they've been building this up for months. you got that one building up for months. you got the, uh, the War Games matchup five-on-five five yep, with the right. Heathens taking on the BCW Saints, which is a weird name. I, <laughs> I still don't really like the, the name of the Saints and Heathens, but I understand because it plays off the dynamic of good versus evil. It's one of those things. But, like, that War Games match is always a lot of fun. Um, BCW always over-delivers on their Rise to Honor shows. Um, and it's also their Hall of Fame induction ceremony night. It's a, just a good night for BCW to celebrate what they've been doing for 13-plus years.
1: When we talk about BCW, here's one of the big things, too, to talk mm-hmm. about. Obviously, we have Shane Douglas going to be there. Yep. Um, but the, the the cool thing with BCW is that in previous years for Ring to honor, uh, Ring of Honor, you've oh, noticed Rise Honor. Rise not, honor. Not Shit, ring of honor. I don't know what yep. I'm talking about. It's too early in the morning. <laughs> Come on, but man. Rise Honor. But but um, in previous years you've noticed they've brought in a ton of like names. Yeah, like a ton. Like we're talking like five six names in previous years. This year. Not so much. They're letting their talent kind of showcase what they have to to offer at Rise Honor. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting. There's been so much buzz about this show, yet they don't have necessarily some of those big indie names or big former WWE TNA guys coming in. Um, and that and that speaks volumes to the, what the, the work the boys in the locker room are doing, to what Frankie and, and Matt are putting on paper and, and drawing up for storylines. I think people are just so excited to see how a lot of these storylines are going to culminate that it doesn't matter that you don't have guys that had worked in WWE and things like that, and I think that's really cool to see, especially with BCW, because as we talked about before, they're kind of one of those premier um, you know uh, companies to work for in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where you're seeing... The, the way they use their, their thumpers' den, their trainees, and they kind of bring them up. Oh, and they protect them at the same time. So you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing just, like, good stories, that, even, like, the mid-card stories. So one of the big ones, one I'm actually kind of excited about, is the uh, it's Marman taking on. Oh, who the hell is he wrestling? Is he wrestling Aesop Mitchell? He's wrestling Aesop Mitchell. It's a hair versus hair match. Oh, yeah, that's right, yep. That's going to be a lot of fun. Is he? Yeah, I'm yep, pretty that's, sure. Nope, that's the I'm match. I'm pretty sure, yeah, yep. that is the match. So that's going to be a lot of fun right there. Um, You know, Garrison Creed's going to be there taking on, like, Scott Marciano. Like, they got so many nice little stories building up, even, like, in the main event where you got, like, stories inside of stories. It's one of those things where BCW really puts on a really good effort, like, every time they book... And it's going to be kind of interesting and kind of fun when they end up switching venues and going to a Saturday instead of a Friday. Actually, we might give more people an opportunity to actually check out the
1: show. Yeah, definitely. That's that's something to keep an eye on. You know, And I know we want to talk about RCCW, but speaking of just a company being able to kind of blow up um, for a lot of the fans that aren't able to be there every show, I just want to give a shout-out to WPW. They have been doing a phenomenal yes. job on mm-hmm. social media because, honestly, the company went from basically not doing much on Facebook and Twitter and things like that to now almost – overdoing it in a good way but it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, but it's like you are getting a glimpse of what their shows are um, every time they have one in between, I mean, they're putting out promos, they're putting out um, mm-hmm. clips from the shows, they're putting out the results from the shows, they're putting out, you know, Matt, they're getting out these uh, the the great match, match announcements, yep. yeah, match graphics early so people can kind of have an, have an idea of what they're going to be looking forward to. You know, I'm a part of the uh, workers page there and a lot of these guys are just so happy to be a part of that. It feels like a brotherhood. It's it's just really cool. It's a good time for WPW um, and, and, and that's another great thing too is that you have a lot of young guys that are really coming up really proving themselves and then you have a lot of the vets and things like that that are really stepping up kind of you know putting this company on their backs and and saying let's make this one of the best companies in wisconsin if not in the midwest and uh you know kudos to those guys for really putting in all the work both on facebook both in the ring um because as we saw i think baba louis basically was packed for their yeah. show this past weekend and Like
0: baba louis is not the the most ideal of spots it's a fucking sandpit it's not and, if yeah. you, and
1: honestly like let's talk if you look at you know baba shows from previous years, you might see that they have low attendance numbers, but from what I've seen, the past couple of shows they've had there have drawn extremely well. They post these, you know, they post these results, they post these match graphics, and they have fans commenting, you know, saying, and they're different fans too. It's like, oh, I'm excited to see this. Oh, I wish mm-hmm. Colin Brooks wouldn't have won this. Oh, I wish blah 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 would have happened. It's 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 just really cool to see because they're engaging with fans both at the shows through social media. It's getting people excited, and it, and it gets them wanting to go to these shows at a Baba Louis, which is it's a sand. Hit. But people yeah. want to go there to see wrestling. It's it's just really cool to see. And, uh, again, kudos to WPW for kind of turning the tide and becoming one of those, you know, bigger companies in Wisconsin and in the Midwest.
0: You know, a company that's actually near and dear for both of us, River City Championship Wrestling. You guys got a big show coming up here on Friday as well. It's the uh, bringing in the new year, breaking in the new breaking year. Breaking in the new
1: year. So we're yeah, both yeah. just screwing yeah, up yeah, the that's names. that's okay,
0: you know. It's like uh, <laughs> at least it started with a B, you know. Yeah. so. It's going to be an interesting one. You guys have both Colt Cabana coming in yep. and you have Swaggle coming in. Yep. But it, one of the big matches is actually you versus Maru. <laughs> yeah. uh, City of Lacrosse Championship on on the line. Now, now this one's actually kind of an interesting matchup. Like, you're doing the, the Weasley manager character, while Maru is very much the, uh, I don't know. Like, he's basically the top babyface. Yep. There, uh, there's no denying he's a top babyface yep. in that company right now. Um are you nervous for this match? This is your first time in a ring, like in a singles. In
1: a singles match, yeah. yeah. Um we had obviously I've been a part of like 3 tag matches maybe three or four. Am I multiman, in my lifetime, yeah. yeah, multi-man matches. Um obviously me and Alex went up against the Dojo boys in a tag team match at the last show. It's because on, you know Uh Pulling back the curtain a little bit, it's because Cal Creed had a different commitment uh, and it was, you know, wrestling for his high school. So it kind of makes sense professional wrestling for his high school. Um, So it kind of made sense that he wasn't there. So they decided to throw me in here. And uh you know Maru and Aesop Mitchell have this huge blood feud going on right now, yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of uh you know it's probably one of the biggest storylines happening in r c c w but well, a lot of with, it's
0: because of inadvertent cane shots, yeah, it is yeah, but
1: obviously with rise of Go Honor. Figure.
0: that that seems to <laughs> it's always, always the weapon. it's the
1: it's the inadvertent weapon shots, yeah, um but <clears throat> we look at <coughs> are you gonna live over there, yeah, I think so, I'm just uh yeah, whatever. i got some like gunkies in my throat i can't even i'm getting i'm getting so nervous that i can't even talk about the (laughs) matchup but you look at um rise to honor aesop obviously has prior commitments, so he can't be there um you know because he wants to be thumper's den you know he has a big matchup uh, on friday so they're like what are we gonna do with maru and i jokingly go again we're pulling back the curtain i go what if you know what if Nikki duche challenges him Kind of jokingly, you know, it's like he doesn't have anything going on, and you know he can, you know, whip my ass for a little bit, and it'd be kind of fun. And then uh, you know he can, it's it's a nice stopgap because you know it, if you don't have the guys to necessarily put in that situation, um, it'd be kind of jokingly funny that he's up against Douchey. And then next thing I know, it's like, hey, can you cut a promo that you're gonna face Maru? And I was like, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so now we're leading up to the match, and we've kind of have a, a tossed around a few ideas. And honestly, Jesse, I think it's going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to be. It's not. You're not going to get Omega, Jericho. Yeah. Um. You're not going to even get uh, something that you might see on Monday Night Raw. It's it's it, again. I'm a Weasley manager. Um. But I think we're gonna we're slowly telling the story that you know while at the same time I'm a Weasley manager. Um, there's going to be ways in which I'm going to stay in the matchup. And it's just going yep. to be rather, you know, eight minutes of comedy slash, you know, continuing to tell the story of, of Maru and Aesop. Because the story between Maru and Aesop is that, uh, which kind of built from, um, you know, natural uh, happenings inside the ring, is that Aesop is slowly breaking Maru to this savage character. Right, mm-hmm. so the idea is that Aesop just cut a like a four minute promo on, Roo, yeah, I saw that, talking about how he's uh, he's making him this be a savage. This home is your childhood, this is your childhood, yeah, um. And I think that's a lot of what our match is going to tell. So it's it's while you know I did a couple of I did that funny propaganda promo, yeah, yep. um, which was fun to put together. By the way, I thought it was kind of hilarious. Now, I've, do you
0: feel like you stepped on like uh, was it Coda Jones's kind of feet there doing kind of? Like I didn't know that he was
1: doing that. Yeah, I I literally f- finished editing together my promo and I gave it to Riley and I go here you go man here's my promo this is you know post this whenever. Five minutes later, I all of a sudden here's. Hey, I'm here to whatever, you know, vote for whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, well... (laughs) That happened, I guess. Well, but at some
0: point in time, now now you actually have something. Now, going me and on. him can
1: run against each other. Yeah,
0: exactly, you guys <laughs> yeah. can have a fake debate. Yeah, we
1: can. You know, that'd That's be right. really yeah. cool. No, but I, again, you know, I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna do a good job of continuing to bridge the story between Aesop and Maru, so that when Asop's available again, they can continue doing whatever it was that they're doing. Um, because you know, I, I think the big thing, while you would like to just you know have a great match for Maru because he's good inside the ring, it's gonna be nice that even though Aesop isn't gonna be there. Um, for us to be able to go, okay, well, Aesop's not here, but we can continue telling the story that him and Maru have built thus far instead of just going, here's a one-off with Maru, We've put together a nice 12-minute match, and then we'll see Aesop at the next show. It's going to be, no, let's have kind of a jokingly match, and, yeah, it's not going to be as you know great inside the ring, but at the same time, you're going to go, oh, shit, this whole Aesop thing from the previous couple of shows is actually getting to Maru. I can't wait to see what's going to happen between these two at the next time that they, they lock horns, so... That's um, definitely true. I think that it's good for story purposes. I feel like that's always been one of my specialties. I'm not great in the ring, but I can help at least tell that story, um, and I'm excited for it. There's also a lot of other really good matches, as you mentioned. There, Cole uh, Cabana De- going on with Devlin Kane. That's
0: going to be a big match there for Devlin Kane. You know, Devlin is he's getting an opportunity here to really show the world what he can do against a guy who's been everywhere in Cole yeah. Cabana. That one's going to be very interesting to see. Um, champion versus interim champion, which Kyle Roberts versus... Chris Black. Chris Black. That's going to be a very fun match right there. Um one of the things I did notice and this might just be a criticism or just might be like armchair Booker, but this is a very big matchup and I have yes. not seen anything about it. Yep. And I don't know like maybe hey, you know, RCCW management, like if this is a big matchup, this is a main event type of matchup, maybe maybe plug it a little bit more. Yep. I understand like you know, this this is going to be a criticism stuff like that. I'm probably gonna step on some toes. I'm not even involved with the project anymore. But if it's a main event fucking match, treat it like a main event fucking match. No, I agree. That's just one of the things you have to do.
1: I agree hundred percent. You know, yeah. and I know AC Riley listens to this, so he'll he'll be well, able of course. to hear this. But yeah. um <clears throat> if I had a criticism for anything for this upcoming show, it would be just that because, you know, when we talked about it, honestly. I don't know how much my input led to the decision of this, um, but I know, again, pulling back the curtain, a lot of this talk of having the interim champion versus the champion was, you know, some guys couldn't make a couple of shows. We have to make sure our champion is at a, a, a couple of these really important shows to highlight our product. And at the end of the day, I remember saying something like, why don't you just do the interim champion angle, you know, because that's always fun. It gives RCCW's biggest fault, for the past couple of years is that they have not been able to put a lot of stock into their heavyweight title yeah. storyline it's always felt like it's just random challenger random challenger random like, challenger the
0: only time, like it actually to me <clears throat> felt important it was like that early going you had devil and kane as a yep, champion right and then even though you had like your main event storylines kind of fall off at least you had like consistency right and then you were able to tell that story with Sadist as well. Like you had That was some, a good story. That was a good story. You had a lot of consistency there. But, you know, I understand like sometimes when it comes to like storylines, like it's easy to forget because you think a heavyweight title is just right. a story.
1: And that's the problem, right? So that's what I, I that was my pitch. It yep. was, okay, well, we haven't had a story for the heavyweight championship in a long time. We haven't been able to tell a good story with it. Yep. We I'm I'm whatever. Um, but and I looked at this and I go, "Well, this is this is perfect because you don't have to worry about having guys that, you know, have great social media personalities because these promos, things like that being able to plug this should come natural. This is this is a undisputed heavyweight championship contest. You have two yep. guys with heavyweight championship belts. They're going to go toe to toe, both great in-ring workers. The story tells itself. I mean, you still have to put some effort into it." Yeah. But it's not difficult to tell. You don't have to put together a fucking two-minute propaganda promo to, to get over you facing a, a no. City of Lacrosse champion. You should be able to just make a couple of posts, maybe get a couple of promos from your two champions, which they should be able to do because you're willing to put the belt on them. They should be able to put in the extra work to help kind of make your product seem bigger. Um, and, again, I was like, it's, it's automatic. Mm-hmm. and
0: It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. That's was just one of those things that were going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um but no, if um if fans want to make sure they actually get their tickets to this RCCW event, what do they do?
1: Yeah, they go to rccw.rocks. rocks. Is that what it is? I don't I know. We used so. to do the previews. Yeah, I don't yeah, what it yeah. Is yeah. Anymore. Otherwise, go to the Facebook page. You can do that for BCW too. You can check out what WPW is doing. You know, just go to the Facebook page. Go to the Google. Search, you know, your friendly Google search mm-hmm. engine. Search River City Championship Wrestling and Lacrosse, uh, Wisconsin Professional Wrestling WPW, um, or you know, obviously uh, Bruce City Wrestling. Um, I think it's B, Brew City Wrestling 1 is their website title, their web, their w- internet yes. site. Um, check them out. Uh, they're doing a lot of great things. And there's a lot of other great companies in the area too, you know, since we yeah, haven't like been able ACW to ACW definitely
0: has got another show coming up next week. We'll talk about that one as we're getting closer to that. You know, that's gonna be a really fun show as they move on to the Wrestle City the Water City WrestleCon. I was gonna call it the, the Wrestle City WrestleMania. Yeah, it's just yeah. the
1: early we gotta get back in the groove of things. We haven't done this for oh, a while. Man. But yeah, you talk about really quick ACW. You know, WWE just posted this great Where Are They Now um, video on social media with Swaggle. Oh man, that was it's a really tremendous cool. piece of work. It's really cool. He did he actually plugged ACW quite a bit too in that too, so you can kinda get a good, good glimpse of that if you check them out on Facebook. Um, but again, you know, a lot of really cool things happening in this area. Really happy to be a product. A part of it, mm-hmm. um, but again, you know, we're running short on time. We got a quick break. We got to talk fantasy football and some other fun things coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Grapple Talk. Hey everybody, this is RGG from the Regular Guy Gaming Podcast on the Grapple Talk Network. I think it's safe to say if you like wrestling, you also like games. So join me and my co-host Ragbag as we talk about old games, new games, games we love, games we hate, special guest interviews, and of course, Ragbag's love for Luigi Mansion. That is all on Regular Guy Gaming, check us out. Hey, Grapple Talk listeners, this is Chris from Spot Monkey Media. Are you a professional wrestler, a promoter, a business owner? Spot Monkey Media is graphic design for the wrestling professional. We offer design services for t shirts, event posters, 8x10s, logos, and even ring gear. But if you're not in the wrestling business, we work outside the ropes. Go to spotmonkeymedia.com for more information. Spot Monkey Media. Create your legacy. Welcome back to Grapple Talk. We got the wrestling out of the way, Jesse, and now it's time to talk about fun things that have happened. All the past right, cool. So, of weeks. I don't know.
0: Where do you want to start? Do we want to start with the Star Wars? I'm going to
1: start with Star Wars. Have you seen it yet? Yes, I have. Have you? Oh, you have seen it. Yeah, it. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I, I have ended seen up
0: it going. Too. God, it was like that Tuesday. Okay. First week, then went down on that Tuesday. Watched it in 3D. I actually liked it.
1: You watched it in 3D.
0: I watched it in 3D, and okay. I hate
1: watching stuff in 3D, See. man.
0: Glasses on, glasses. I hate it. <laughs>
1: But you enjoyed this movie. I did. So I don't. I don't, don't want to give away spoilers because I think. Well, dude! I, I think
0: I, everyone in their mom has seen Star Wars already. It's been like a fucking month.
1: I don't know, man. I just don't know. I think we can talk about it without doing spoilers because I mean we're not doing a whole episode dedicated to it. Yeah, I know. we can talk about it a little bit. I'm gonna honest opinion. I didn't really like it as much really? as I liked The Force Awakens.
0: Now, what is the reason?
1: Now, The Force Awakens. I like I like character development building up those characters I felt an attachment to like Ray and Paul like I just felt this weird attachment to a lot of the new characters maybe it's because they were freshly introduced but I, I was like man I want to know their backstories like I want I want to have a I feel like this genuine connection to these new characters honestly, Han Solo, didn't give two shits about him. Chewbacca, didn't give two shits about him. Princess Leia, didn't give two shits about her. I wanted to know about Kylo Ren. I wanted to know about, you know, uh, the new big bad Supreme Lord. You know, I want to know about him. What's his... Who the fuck is this guy? Snark. Why is his his face all weird, right? I was like, man, this is so interesting. It ends... I'm like, holy shit, dude. This next movie, they're probably just going to dive deep into these backstories, these histories. I'm going to find out about all these characters, find out their wants, their dreams, their desires. It's fantastic stuff. Star Wars The Last Jedi had some great visuals, some great action scenes. But I feel like I don't know anything else about Rey. I'll tell you what. Spoiler alert. She is definitely not the daughter of junkies. That is not the case. <laughs> and they're going to explain that. It's, not, it's just not happening. She is definitely... And I already and I already I'm pretty sure I know. What, you're gonna go with the twin angle? It's definitely the twin angle. Oh, it man. is absolutely that's that's it's it's definitely that. But example. You look at Supreme Leader. I don't even is it Snorf? What's No, snorf like snork. Snorf,
0: Snor- snork, <laughs> snork. <laughs> Let's look it up. That's that's definitely that's, not right. I think it's like snork. No. Like, like the underwater No, it's uh, not. No, it's I think not it's like the like underwater stranger. No. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure there's no K in his name. I think it's like s- Sn- snarf? Snarf. snarf 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 i don't uh, remember the dude's name snork it's definitely not that snorse snorf snorp no it's snark like it snork.
0: s-n-o-k-e
1: it is it's it's snoke snoke oh, okay Pre- yeah supreme but they just fucking spoiler alert they just cut this dude in half this dude seemed, Jesse, like the most dominant Sith Supreme whatever that we had ever seen. He was linking minds across the fucking galaxy. That's a snark. Yeah, that is what a snork looks like. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's dead. Well, I, you know what? They, they build him up a little
0: bit because you got to think about this one. All right? Dude, he never, he never referred to himself as a Sith. He never did. Okay. He's like, fuck the Sith. They can suck my dick. Like, he shat on Vader the whole time. Like, listen, he was never a Sith. So he was just guy, like, who built up, like, he was kind of the guy who came in after the fact and started rebuilding the Empire. They didn't even call it the fucking Empire. They called it the First Order.
1: Yeah. You know, he's just one of those dudes. But the reason why it bothers me is that the yeah. entire first episode, this dude's a hologram. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, they why is he the a hologram. Emperor. And then you yeah. actually see him. You're like, oh, that's him. And he's, like, fucking using the Force, and he's fucking around with people, and he just seems like this overpowered prick. Yep. And then all of a sudden, he just dies, and you're like, okay, well... I did like how he died, though. I, I, did, yeah. I did, too. And, I, and personally, I think it does great things because I think the idea behind it was that they were trying to build Kylo Ren into the next supervillain because he felt like... You know, he felt like the supervillain's son the entire time. He's like, oh, come on, Dad, I'm going to go to my room. And it's like, yeah, and it's the entire time you're like, "Eh, he kind of seems like half good guy, half bad guy. Eh, I don't know if I can buy him as, like, the Vader-type villain, right, like the supervillain that's just indestructible. And maybe that was their attempt at being like, no, this dude, Kylo Ren, he has to be taken seriously. Intentions. He's got some yeah. evil intentions. He has to be taken seriously because the reasoning for him killing Snoke was basically I want to I want to, you know, take over my own, you know, I want to ha- I I have my own my agenda. Own yeah, yeah, yeah. I have my own agenda. I want to take over this whatever. Um, but at the same time again, you know, I think they just did a, they did such a great job in The Force Awakens and the beginning of The Last Jedi as building up Snoke into this mega villain that when they just killed him off, I was like, "Oh, will you But like uh, t- he
0: was never the guy though. I know, well, but think about th- it. He has so he much was, mystery. Yeah, so he's like the cares? ultimate mystery villain. Who cares? I like, care. Mystery villains like they have to die, because like if you look at it, if he was so important, then he would have been a primary focus in the Force Awakens, mm. and he was not. It was Kylo Ren.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. But
0: now, one of the big criticisms I heard from a lot of people was that it it shit on the story. Oh, the,
1: the the nostalgia, the legacy of Star Wars. And I gotta say, like,
0: no, it didn't. What
1: what what's the argument for that?
0: Okay, so one of the big ones too was the fact that they treated Luke Skywalker not as like a savior, but as a guy who was a chicken shit.
1: Oh yeah, okay.
0: You know? But right. think about this, all right? What did Obi Wan Kenobi do? Yep. What did Yoda do? Yep. When they fucking like failed. Went to hiding. They went in hiding. Luke went in hiding. Like yeah, it happens. That's what fucking Jedi's do. Like, like they 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 fail and they go in hiding. They don't violently fight until they fucking die. Yep. Yeah, yeah, know Like that's one of those weird things. And it took like, it took like hope and optimism for Luke to get back into the fucking game because he was just fine, just like fucking sucking on those titties <laughs> like on the beach, like like pfft, ah, green milk, you know, yep. like. He was perfectly fine just like running away. I thought one of the best scenes of the whole movie was when Luke was visited by the ghost of Yoda. I love that scene because it was very much like he needed a lesson from his teachers that he totally forgot. And it wasn't about, you know, like you'll have to succeed all the time. Sometimes you're going to fail. It's what you do when you fail that defines who you are. So getting that story out there and, like, Yoda doing, like, the whole, like, laugh thing, like, I lost my shit there. Yep. But um, it was very much he needed to have that lesson that, you know, it's okay to fail. Yep. You just have to pick up your bootstraps and move on. Right. And it was something that, like, we, we see with the whole continuation, too, of The Last Jedi was the Rebels did nothing right in that whole movie. Like, they took some calculated fucking yes. risks, and they're basically down to, like, 1% of their whole fucking crew. Yeah, they got totally that, fucked. They, they got fucked in the ass, like, bad. But it was one of those things where they just kept on building and building and building, and they brought in more hope. So, like, that end scene where you had the kid with the ring, and he's like, yeah, like, that's such a good fucking scene. Yep. And, like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that Star Wars needs to be one of those things where it is all based on nostalgia. Because what you have right now is three to four generations of families watching this. And that's three and four different generations of families where they have to be inspired to dr- uh, keep on coming back. Right. And that's exactly what this film was. So, I mean, you could sit there and be like, oh, that was not my Star Wars. Who gives a fucking yep. shit? Right. You know, like, that's life. Man, no. there's going to be certain things that's not going to be your shit.
1: Yep. I liked it for the most part. I just I liked the yeah. character development in the last one. Uh, I thought the character development
0: in this one was pretty good. Like Poe's arc was yeah. very good. Um Finn's arc was very good. Like Ray's arc is very good. Like Ray's arc. That's, that's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. Even Kyle Ren's arc is pretty good. Like like he got out of the shadow of Vader. Like destroying that helmet. Like it's it's on point because he's not hiding anymore. Sure. You know, like I think everything kind of like told a logical story leading into the next one. It's gonna be interesting because now you have two years. And the only movie we've got in between now is the Han Solo solo movie, yep, which is right. gonna be a lot of fun. But um it's one of those things where I think you set it up really nice for that climax of this trilogy. And it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes from. You
1: that. know what I thought was kind of funny is that somebody made the point that they haven't really done any sort of like uh any sort of storyline building outside of the battle between uh, these two factions. So it kind of feels like it's like a hundred people versus a hundred people, and the rest of the entire you know, galaxy is like, just "What like, the fuck, dude? <laughs> what are these guys doing?" I, I did like the <laughs> scene though,
0: where um, uh, Benicio del Toro's character. Yes, like that. That I think that really kind of hits it on the nose too. It's like, look at all these people. These yeah. are people profiting off this. Like I love that. That is so good. And like him being like, he is the new. His character is a new Han Solo in a lot of ways because he's a character who, who understands the battle, but he doesn't see it as like the end, end all, all, yeah, of right, everything because exactly. life still goes on no matter what.
1: Yep, yeah, I agree. I think that was a, that was a pretty nice little uh, switcher, switcher doodle that mm-hmm. got me at the, later in the movie. But uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen Star Wars yet, then we apologize for spoiling everything. But it's a great, it is, it's it's a good yeah, movie. It's definitely worth I don't, watching. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad movie by any means, and I would definitely watch it again.
0: Yeah, you um, know, hey, how about this? When it's at the Rivoli, if it's at the Rivoli, we should go. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. I agree. Get some pizza. Have yeah. a couple of beers, maybe. Have a couple of brewski's. Yeah, it's not too bad. That's a good yeah. idea. Those those Dream Loungers, man, though. You know, it's like consistently the oh. vote the vote for the best of La Crosse County comes up and I'm always like, gotta support the local theater Rivoli. But then this year I was like, oh, not so I, fast. Those you know, dream loungers are fucking I'm, awesome. I don't know. There's a part of me that almost feels like they're too big. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. Just being I'm back I, in my seat. Got I the still pop holder. F-
0: I, I still f- they always had the pop holders.
1: Did they really? Yeah. yeah. But it really. was, yeah. I might be mixing up Carmike then. I yeah, guess.
0: yeah. It's one of those things, though, it's like it almost feels too big. Okay. You know?
1: I don't think that. I, I, I honestly perfect. I think, it's, perfect. I think okay. it's too big. Well, anyways, and then also we want to talk about fantasy football. Okay. Okay. How did you end up doing this year? I won Ryan Brown's league. Yes. Congratulations on that one. In Chris Hansen's league, I think I finished, I, I don't know, after I lost in the semis, I didn't, I didn't pay attention if I finished yeah, third I or fourth. I think I finished like fifth. Chris Hansen beat me by like one point or something yeah, like dude, that. His
0: league was so fucked. I lost, like, my, um,
1: my quarterfinal game by two points. Yeah. Carson
0: Wentz goes down. Yep. I lost a, uh, a quarterfinal game against Prodigy, God bless it. So by two points because Josh McCown went down. Like, it, it was just one of those weeks. What, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But, you know, like, I thought it was a very weird year because we saw a lot of injuries to big stars. We did. But we also saw guys who you never would have thought would have been fantasy relevant being fantasy relevant, like Case Keenum. Yeah. You know, like Josh McCown. Like, we, we saw guys who were usually stars, not be stars, and we saw guys who were never stars be stars.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a really interesting year. I know, you know, I went full on with the YOLO approach in my expensive league. Did not pay off. No. <clears throat> For the most part, you know, I tried to uh, do the zero credit quarterback strategy. We'll never do that again. That is an awful idea because, obviously, quarterbacks, a lot of the times, are the, the yeah. highest scorer in your team.
0: Because they're most consistent. But right, they always had the ball in their hands.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I thought, well, if my quarterback can at least give me fifteen a game, I'll let the other guys, who most likely are you're gambling on a lot of times when you're whether you're starting a running back that mm-hmm. might or might not get a touchdown, you know, you are like, Okay, well a quarterback's usually good for maybe one or two touchdowns a game, depending on whatever was not right when I drafted Jay Culler. Awful idea. Yep. Maybe putting my hope into Jay Cutler was the reasoning why you know, Carson Wentz well, some would went say a couple of picks or, before me. Yeah, he yeah. was just awful. So, anyways, um, so, yeah, I won't be doing that again. I'm, You know, I picked up on Isaiah Crowell. He didn't start playing good until, like, the last eight games of the season. Yeah, so. I kind of
0: burnt a draft pick on him, too. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, it's, like, stuff like that. You know, I, I started the year with Demarius Thomas, and all of a sudden he disappeared for, like, three or four straight games where he had, like, one zero catch, zero catch, one catch, mm-hmm. two catches, and it was like, okay, what the hell's happening with this guy? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just an off year with me for fantasy. My dy- the dynasty league, like I started off zero and three, and then I traded away a couple of assets, and then I kind of started trying to, I started trying to tank, but then I won like four in a row. So yeah. then I was like in that weird purgatory of like, am I gonna try to get a high draft pick? Am I just gonna say fuck it and try to make the playoffs when I have OBJ and you know uh, Allen Robinson that are out for the year? Yeah. Like, what am I doing with my team? Um, and then I ended up like right middle of the pack, which is like the worst place to be. Uh, didn't make the playoffs, but at the same time, don't have a high draft pick. I was like, right outside oh, the
0: playoffs. You drafted, oh, you like six? six? Yeah. So. That's not too bad.
1: It's not too bad, but at the same time, you know, I was hoping for like a one, you know, I wanted to get like the top running back or whatever. Yeah, so.
0: well, you know, I, I ended up having the unfortunate, <laughs> um, pleasure, I guess, of finishing dead last in that league with a 2-11 record. Um, but it was one of those things where, I, you know, Olsen goes down week two. Um, prior didn't do shit. Um, I kind of benefited from um, Sterling Shepard being the number one, but he was only number one for like three weeks there in yep. New York because he was injured most of the year. Um, Doug Martin never returned to form. Um, Devontae Foreman got hurt. Um, I, I never really got consistency from the guys I needed consistency from. Mm-hmm. I traded away a second-round pick for Chris Hogan, thinking like Hogan's going to be a star. Like he gets hurt. So the 2-11 was basically, you know, it was an eye-opening experience. So now I get the first round draft, like the first overall pick. Barkley's probably coming home. We'll see how that one goes. Um, but it's one of those things where sometimes it pays off to tank. But I didn't tank. Here's the crazy thing: I went back and actually looked. There was at least like six games only lost by ten points. Right. And that includes
1: with injuries. It's always crazy to think about that.
0: And you're just like, wow. If I, if you look back on your bench, you're like, I could have started this guy and this guy, and I probably would have won the game. Yep. But it's like, I can't. You can't go do that. Um, it was a different league where. Chris Hansen's NFL.com league, I had a really good draft, and I finished fifth. Like I thought, my team overall was so fucking good. Like you, you start, I started basically Wednesday since like week three. Um, I was able to get Hunt, McCaffrey had another solid running back there in Gordon. Had OBJ, had Julio Jones, had Ertz. I had a fucking stacked team, it's and I stacked still, team. I I still finished fifth. Right, and there's not much you can do about that, you know. Um, but it's just one of those things where. Fantasy football is such one of those gambles. And we're finding out now, too, in fantasy basketball, we're both doing that. That's yeah. such a gamble as well. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of good weeks. Oh, I've had a couple of good weeks, too. Like, even in Chris's league, I'm doing well with Harden being gone for, like, a week. Yeah. I feel weird about that. Um, but then again, <laughs> Do you trade him or do you not trade him? No, I'm going to keep him because he's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, and it's a keeper league, too. Um, In Smizek's league, I, I was shitting in the bed for a little so bit. So was I. And now I feel like my team's coming around. Um, Fantasy hockey, like... Honestly, in Christmas League, I've shit the bed every year. This is the first year where my team's actually out of the cellar. Nice. I'm like fourth. Nice. I don't know how that happened. I think a lot of this happens, all right? Yahoo's got this really good thing called Compare My Team. Yep. So what you do is like maybe when you're when you're like, okay, I need to freshen it up a little bit. You go through. You look at your guys' rankings. Hit the Compare My Team. Best available. Drop the worst guy. Pick up a better guy. There you go. That's as simple as yep. that. And it's like, I don't know shit about hockey. <laughs> I honestly don't know shit about hockey. Like, I think the most I've ever learned about hockey, I learned from two movies: Mighty Ducks, Mighty Ducks, and Slapstick. Nice. That, that's not it. Goon. Not the Goon. No, okay. no, just Slapstick and Mighty Ducks. Fair. So it's one of those things where you get you get a little, little bit of experience of just working on the strategy and that. I think we're all pretty excited though about next year for fantasy football.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of times when it comes to fantasy football, it's just it's a shot in the dark, right? Yeah. I mean, we all know Jay Color's not that great, and it's really fun to shit on him. But he could have had a couple of games where he had multiple TDs there. I mean, yep. the Dolphins were honestly just a shit show the entire year. I think
0: with the Dolphins, like, the worst thing was trying to figure out a way to use J.H.I. Yeah. And, oh, uh, man. Like, I, even like in Philly, they're trying to figure out a yep. way to use him. They and that, that is very unfortunate because yep. the guy is actually a really good running yeah. back.
1: But you But you look at a lot of other things, you know, things happen. You know, guys get hurt. Um, and for whatever you know reason, you know, like I said, I had OBJ go down. Yep. I traded away DeAndre Hopkins for like a boatload of things. Hopkins which goes it, off in the
0: second half Hop- of the year. Yeah,
1: Hopkins goes off second half of the year. I get you know an IRD, Allen Robinson, and a couple of other guys that aren't performing very well back in return. But then all of a sudden, I win like three or four games in a row. You know, yeah. so it's like you never know with fantasy football because to me, I lost all my best guys, but then all of a sudden I started winning games. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. It just depends on the week that you're playing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when it comes to fantasy football, you know, I'll, I will say this. Aside from being, you know, relevant in Chris's league and then also winning Browns league. I mean, in Browns league, my team was a juggernaut. I think I had one loss in the entire year. So yeah. I, a lot of times I set my team up and I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to worry about tinkering. But um, it. aside from that, you know, I felt – it was weird. Like I felt like this – I wasn't worrying about setting my team every Wednesday, Thursday, before the Thursday night game, and every Saturday, Sunday. Like, I could just watch football and be like, I'm just watching football for funsies. Because my teams were both both my Dynasty team and my Yahoo team at that point. You know, at some point throughout the middle of the year, we were just like, ah, I'm not going to really focus too much on these. I'll set my other lineups, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday and just kind of leave them because I, I trust my team, and I, I had a pretty stacked starting lineup and a pretty weak bench. But I was able to just go – I'm just gonna watch football to enjoy football and not worry about uh, if Gronk's gonna have two touchdown catches or if yep. you know uh, Alex Smith is gonna have a, a rushing touchdown and two you know passing touchdowns because I need that to win the game. I can just be like I'm watching football to enjoy the game and I'm not gonna worry at all about these you know these these fictional points that are coming up through these uh, these leagues that I have with friends. Now you
0: do think, feel like some of that is the simple fact that you weren't doing well. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's, that's that was the nice thing. It's right. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, well, I lost some money. And you know it sucks not being relevant when everybody else is on the boards is like, oh man, I'm you know fuck you guys. I'm we're excited to see in the playoffs, but at the same time it's like, wow, well, now I can kind of sit back and actually just watch football and enjoy it. Like I mean, there, there's been times, dude, where I'm watching the Patriots mm-hmm. and they're playing like the Jets, and I'm like, Josh McCown, dude, throw me two touchdowns, please, for the love of God. But it's like, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Like why I'm am rooting I rooting against that? your team? I'm rooting against my team so yep. I can get some fantasy points. You know, it's like that happens, and this time, you know, I was able to go. I'm just watching football to watch football. I'm watching it to enjoy Mm -hmm. games. I'm cheering on my team because they're my team. Not you know, I'm not sitting there going, you know, Patriots get a a passing touchdown to Dwayne Allen. And I'm like, why the fuck didn't you run it with Deion Lewis? I (laughs) needed those six points. Damn you, Patriots. It was like, oh, sweet, they scored. All right, speaking of the Patriots. Yeah. All right, cool. We got to get into divisional round
0: matchups here. Oh. All right. So we got the Patriots and the Titans. You got the Patriots.
1: Yeah. I think that's pretty pretty easy to say.
0: Jag Steelers.
1: They gotta go Steelers, man.
0: All right, you have the Saints and Vikings. I'm picking Saints. And then you have Atlanta at Philly.
1: That's a tough one. That's because one I don't slip. think I don't think Nick Foles is as bad as people think he is. He is not. But that Atlanta defense is
0: legit. They were able to stop LA from doing what LA did.
1: Like I think th- I do. I do think the story. Even though honestly I think there's a very small gap between Nick Foles now mm-hmm. and Carson Wentz now, I think Carson Wentz will be a lot better over the coming years as he gets some more of experience, but I do think the story is Eagles lose this game and then going into the offseason they go what could have been if Wentz wouldn't have gotten injured, even though I don't think yeah. that makes the biggest difference.
0: That's kind of almost the same story as the Raiders last right. year.
1: I think I think that's the big thing there. And then honestly, you know, I think I think you have a coin flip for both, I think I think you have a coin flip for the 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 conference championship with the Patriots and Steelers. I'm a Patriots fan, but man, the Steelers look really good. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to Saints and Falcons, two teams that have high-powered offenses have um, you know, I think underappreciated defenses. Yeah, especially the Saints. Yeah. So I think um, I honestly, you know, with how the Saints played against split Carolina the season, yeah, yeah they. And I know that, and I know Carolina kind of came back against the against the Saints, but they started off hot. And there's I th- a lot of
0: controversy, too, because of that Cam Newton right. concussion story. Yep.
1: But I think... Um I really do think this this is the Saints year to get back to the Super Bowl. Drew Brees has kind of taken a back seat. he's not like the big five yeah. thousand yard need to be. forty touchdown passer that he was once. Um but I think this is the year the Saints get back and when it out of the AFC, dude, I have no idea. I really don't. I think it comes down mm-hmm. to Pats and Steelers. Would it be cool to see the Jags there? Absolutely, freaking but, yeah, but we're not gonna honestly, see Honestly, okay, so
0: so the Jags were held to ten points against the Buffalo Bills defense. <laughs> Buffalo, if they would have had any type of offense, if McCoy would have been healthy, I think Buffalo runs away with that game.
1: Yeah, because McCoy came into that game a little bit injured. So McCoy
0: gets, you you know, he was probably about like 70%. Tyrod Taylor gets hurt, even though he wasn't really playing that well. You put in fucking Mr. Interception fucking Peterman in there. Yeah. And what does he do? Throws a pick. Throws a fucking pick. But that was a hell of a fucking play, too. Yeah, it was. And a lot of people
1: are saying that it was, you know, he didn't have a catch, but regardless, you know, Nathan. Peterman's not going to. He march threw you down that the ball f- where he didn't need to throw that. He's not going to march you down the field and get you seven Fuck points. Fuck no. That's not going to happen. So don't don't yeah. bother yeah arguing about that. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Really cool though for a team that
0: was supposed to be tanking this year to actually make the playoffs. I know, right? Yeah. Isn't
1: that pretty cool? You know, they trade away a lot of their assets and they're like, wait a second, we have something here. So that's kind yeah, of interesting. Yeah, no shit. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think uh, AFC pretty cut and dry. It's Pats or Steelers coming out mm-hmm. of there. I honestly, you know, as a big Pats fan, I see the Steelers coming out of that one with the Dubs. And I think I think we're gonna get Saints and Steelers in the Super Bowl. That's that should my, be a pretty interesting opinion. game right there. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be pretty easy to root for Drew Brees there. You know, he's kind of uh, getting up there in age. He has the one under his name. He deserves to have another and uh, you know, it's going to be hard to 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 cheer against the Saints, especially in the NFC right now because you got Matt Ryan. Who again? A nice little redemption story for the Falcons if they can get back there too after oh, yeah, blowing definitely. it. Um and, and you look at the Eagles. I mean, that's a good story there too, Nick Foles stepping in. Can he win a championship with this mm-hmm. team that was good all year? Vikings? I don't know. Vikings, so the coolest story for
0: them would be Bridgewater goes down. They stayed the course. Cook goes down. They stayed the cor- course. You know, Bradford goes down. They stayed the course. Like, this was very much a team effort. Yeah. And you could host it. Yep. Like, that's the ultimate goal right there. With that's a true. traveling Super Bowl, you get to host it.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And
0: you have an opportunity, depending on the matchup you get. Yep. You have an opportunity to win it in your home
1: stadium. Yep. The tough matchup for the Vikings is that a lot of people, you would look at that team and don't think they have a high-powered offense. Oh, so then, the, so yeah. then it kind of comes down on the defense a little bit because if you end up facing the Patriots or the Steelers in the Super Bowl, you've got Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, you've got Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and you have to worry about putting up points to keep up with them. That's where you might – that's where the, the yeah. ultimate defense versus offense scenario comes into play, um, and that would be really interesting to see as well. But I think it's going to be a fun playoffs. So I'm really excited for the divisional round. Wildcard weekend was kind of weird. Um, but you had some good games like the Saints and Panthers and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So uh, and the Chiefs. Um, oh man, man, that game was just how, wacky. How, how do the Chiefs? I'm just going to put it out
0: there. Every Start off year, as like
1: the top team and then now, just every
0: year it seems like if they get it a home playoff game, they choke it away. Are the Chiefs the new Chargers?
1: Well, Andy Reid's their head coach, so I mean that's Andy Reid was the head coach though of the of the Eagles when he yeah, beat it was. the Packers. Yeah, he was. Yeah. So what are yeah. you gonna do? Doesn't have a Super Bowl. That's a big thing. They seem like the team this year that was destined to be like tops in AFC, and then yep. they just came crashing down to earth. And uh, yeah, they kind of pissed that one away against the Titans. It's just yeah, it's unfortunate. Yep. I remember I was sitting in uh, Outback and I saw it on the TV, and I thought they had the fumble return for the touchdown. I was like, no way, man! And then I was yep. like, no way. Yeah, no way. <laughs> it was kind of crazy though. It's um,
0: but at the same time, like the future is now for the Titans.
1: Yeah, I, right. I think they
0: proved that they could win without DeMarco Murray.
1: Yeah, they really did. You know, I mean, I think anybody would expect that Derek Henry can kind of pick up the load. He's a, he's a great running back. That's why mm-hmm. he got drafted in like the early second. Maybe he got drafted in the first. I can't remember. Yep. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the report came out that Marcus Mariota started calling plays after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a lot of people are pointing to him for their, uh, the Eventual success comeback. they yep. had on offense. So, uh, but, but yeah, I think, uh, it's, it's great for the Titans obviously. And that's what I really like about this year too, is that you're seeing, I mean, I remember the Jaguars like five years ago, Jaguars. were were the Browns, like <laughs> everybody's like, oh man, this team's never going to be good. And they made the playoffs 10 and six record. I mean, yep. they're, they're missing what people would consider their ultimate playmaker in Allen Robinson, um, you know, Leonard Fournette didn't have a great game. He had like two and a half yards of carry. Something like that. But
0: Buffalo's defense is actually pretty legit. Right, yeah. yeah. But,
1: but I think it's just kind of nice because a lot of people are talking about Blake Bortles, you know, being the shits, and he hasn't been playing very well. He oh. only had like 89 passing yards. Dude, but.
0: dude, the best Twitter follower right now. Blake Bortle Facts.
1: Blake Bortles facts. Oh, I follow that actually. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's great. Amazing. It's a great follow. But yep. I think that's what's exciting. It's kind of nice that you see teams like the Bills and like mm-hmm. the uh, and the Jaguars, the Titans. Uh, you look at the Saints. You know, they seem like they were they've been dead in the water for a couple of years. Who would have thought that they'd be a top team right now in the NFC? You know, again, well, it's definitely just, like that almost
0: kind of solidifies it for Kamara
1: winning the rookie of the year. Exactly. Yep. You look at a lot of these teams, and you're just like. You know what? The Vikings. I yep. mean, they've been they've been building that defense up for years. They won. I know they won their division a couple of years ago. But again, a team that you would have expected to go 13 and three, probably not. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice that there's at least a little bit of parity in the NFL this year. We'll see when we get to the Super Bowl if it's gonna if there's actually that parity is gonna parody, be alive. Yep. But uh, but it's nice to see some of these teams in which for a couple of years we were like, oh, they're this the shits that are you know making it in the playoffs and able to uh, you know succeed over teams in which we would have picked to go. You know, finish above them. It gives mm-hmm. us hope for the Browns because honestly, man, the Browns are so bad that it's giving me hope that they're going to be good eventually. Because I feel terrible they're, for that fan base. They're this close to being mediocre. It's honestly, they have a lot of talent. They do out of college, and I don't mm-hmm. know if guys aren't living up to potential or if it's the coaching or what, but they have some good pieces. You know, you'd think. I don't know if Deshaun Kaiser is as bad. I've watched a couple of games, and he hasn't looked that awful. No. Um, it's the game that I watched. You know, the Packer game that they played seemed a lot to do with coaching. Yeah, the first Um, game of the season against the Steelers. Right. So they had a chance of winning that game. People were like, oh, man, this team actually they had like an they opportunity didn't... to win that Green Bay Packers game. Yeah, well. they did. Um, and, you know, it, it seems like they have the pieces. They have Corey Coleman, who's looked great. They have Josh Gordon, who proved after being gone for three years, this dude's a mega star. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Crowell is actually a pretty good running back. He proved that in the second half of the season. You look at uh, Duke Johnson, he's a great yep. running back wide back. receiver threat. Yep. Yeah, right. You know, their offensive line, they they picked up a bunch of proven commodities in the offseason to try to shore that offensive line up. And again, well, they brought. Down Thomas goes down. Yeah, that, that's going to hurt you a little bit. But then on defense, they have a lot of these these guys coming out of college that everybody said they have a ton of potential, and they're still young and they have time to kind of prove themselves. Yeah. But I mean, they have the pieces. It just makes you go, how does a team with that many star, you know, that many guys in which you'd think would be stars over the next couple of years go zero sixteen? And, and I think it comes down to coaching. A little bit. If they were in any other
0: division besides the AFC North. That's a tough division. That's a very tough division, especially with the consistency that you have with Baltimore, the consistency you have with Pittsburgh. And you never even know what Cincinnati. the f- and even Cincinnati like you just they've got some good pieces they there do too. they do so I mean that's a very tough division right there you're going to lose like if you don't play well you're going to lose eight games yeah and there's not much you can do
1: after that right yeah but Absolutely. we
0: need to wrap up the grapple talks this week because uh you know it's a Monday morning and we have normal jobs we have to get to work so yeah.
1: uh yeah this was fun we'll be doing this every Monday morning a little grapple mm-hmm. talk AM trying to uh you know keep up with the show and actually make it a weekly show once again I yeah. know that we used to do that but it just seems like we have so many random Afternoons things are happening after hard work. For us now yeah so um thanks everybody for joining us make sure to hit up uh the grapple talk on facebook the grapple talk on twitter have a lot of great shows going on right now including one of my favorite podcasts to listen to these days the ross family matters podcast it's a fantastic show mm-hmm. we obviously have regular guy gaming yep um ac riley's new venture in which he's doing reviews of shows which is kind of nice because then you can get a, a glimpse of shows that you're not able to go to around the wisconsin area that riley goes to uh you obviously have deach and dash which is always a fun uh, nice little interview segment with Jordy lee yeah.
0: It's uh, pretty
1: safe to say this is the fifth
0: most important podcast on, on the <laughs> network, and we're the flagship
1: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Uh, what does that say? But uh, yeah, yeah. but no, we will uh, start doing this more consistently, and we're going to have maybe some new uh, changes to the idea of the show to keep it a little bit more relevant and fun for us. You know, mm-hmm. to do it on a weekly basis. Because honestly, sometimes we would sit there and go, "Did anything happen on Raw? Did anything happen on SmackDown? Is there anything big happening on the Indies?" And we go, ah, "Not really." And then we would just not do it. So yeah. we'll we'll make a, an effort to get this out weekly, and we're really excited to bring this to you guys so if you are enjoying what you're listening to even if you're not fuck you we're still gonna do it
0: <laughs> basically i think that's the kudo of the show now cool
1: all right yeah. so then for jesse von ruden i'm nick ragner we'll catch you guys next time stay classy hey everybody it's me darren corbin i've always gotten the question why do i not do my own podcast well i've branched out and i've tried to do wrestling reflections and wrestlers were movie letter plus my promos that i flood your feed with all the time and the number one reason is when it comes to podcasts. Everyone can always find a way to hear myself talk And there's numerous podcasts out there But I want to give my endorsement to one very special one and that'd be Grapple Talk, that covers a lot of the Midwest independent wrestling highlights. See, a lot of the local Midwest wrestlers are the spotlight of the Squared Circle hosts. And that would be Nick Ragnar, Jesse Von Ruden, and AC Riley. And every week on iTunes or Podbean, you can catch their podcast. So I just want to give them a shout-out. So if you're asking me why I don't do podcasts, and you're maybe looking for my opinion, check them out for all your podcast needs, and take a look and keep supporting independent wrestling in the Midwest.